0: Welcome to the Breaking to Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds who broke into tech. On today's episode, we chat with Mike Slaw, who is the CEO of Shift.org. For those of you who may not be familiar with Shift.org, it's a recruiting pipeline that gives companies access to exceptional military veterans. We're excited to have Mike on our podcast, not only because he's the CEO of Shift, but also because he's the U.S. Navy veteran. He doesn't bring it up on the podcast, but Mike graduated from the United States Naval Academy with distinguished honors with degrees in English and engineering. He also got his master's from Harvard University and rose through the ranks to become the director of operations for EODMU Unit 3. That acronym stands for Explosive Ordnance Disposal Mobile Unit, which is the world's premier combat force tasked with disarming and disposing explosive ordnance, as well as chemical and nuclear weapons. During the episode, Mike shares some pretty astounding statistics. We were surprised to learn that 20,000 military service men and women leave the military every month. And over the next five years, the total number of veterans is predicted to be in the millions. These are people who are highly skilled, experienced, and disciplined. And Mike talks about why it's important for Shift.org to help these folks with careers once they complete their service. So definitely check it out. Also, we've put together a resources page on our website for our community members. It's a list of curated schools and programs that we trust, and if you decide to apply to a bootcamp, do check out the list first and use the links to get the discounts before you apply. Just visit breakingterms.com forward slash resources to see the full list. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this episode and let's break in.
1: Growing up we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think, but we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution, either you're at the table or on the table. Getting end 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Art and Timor Meister. and this is the Breaking Into Starters podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today?
0: So we're out here on a Tuesday night recording again. It's 8 p.m. And just to give you an idea of where we are, we're sitting at Xbox offices in Soma in a conference room with a crazy view of the bay, and the sun just set and we're about to dive into a chat with a quite impressive guy. Arthur, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mike Slaw, who is the founder of Shift.org. It's a hiring pipeline for military veterans. They work with big companies to start veteran hiring initiatives and small companies to find early stage operations supply chain talent. In the military, Mike was a bomb technician, and we'll go in more on what that means. And uh, since finishing his service a little over a year ago, Mike started shift.org to create new pathways for veterans into various industries that didn't exist before. Mike, welcome. And before we begin, tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, and
2: what motivated you to go into the Army. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Well, it was the Navy, but yeah, I appreciate that. I did spend a little bit of time at West Point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Michigan and you know, like many other people was in high school when 9-11 took place. And so just like many other service members who joined around that time, that was sort of a catalyst, an event. I felt called to serve and ended up going to the Naval Academy for four years. And that was really my the reason for joining up. Both of my grandpas served in the Navy in World War II. And so, you know, choosing between the Navy and the Army, that was the uh, tiebreaker. <laughs> got it, got it.
1: And so in, in the pre-chat, you talked a little bit more about the decisions you made while you were in the Navy. Can you talk a little bit more about um, why you decided to go in the direction that you did and what that process was like?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I got, I got picked up for the explosive ordnance disposal community in the Navy, which is the bomb squad after the Naval Academy. I took on a Navy program. I got to go to grad school for two years. And so going from, you know, worried about yourself and getting to class on time to going into the first part of the navy bomb disposal pipeline which is navy dive school and you know being in a class of 40 other navy potential navy divers it was a good transition and it's you know navy dive school it was an incredible experience but it, you know it's it is it is a big challenge and it's you know you're working up to eventually disarming and disrupting mines underwater and so you got to be able to, you got to be able to scuba dive in the harshest of conditions. And Navy dive school definitely prepares you for that. Wow,
0: yeah. And in the pre-chat, you also mentioned how in the army or in the navy or like or like in in the military in general, there is a lot of roles where you have to go through very intense technical training. So, can you just give us an idea, either through the training that you had to go through or some of the trainings that you've known that are very rigorous technically?
2: Yeah. I think that's that, That's a story that we're trying to tell with Shift is that a lot of folks who are in the military have this incredible capacity to attain technical skills really quickly because they work with some of the world's most advanced technology on a daily basis, constantly forced to learn new systems, new requirements. It's really at the cutting edge. A lot of really awesome inventions have come out of defense research projects. But I mean, you know, There's too many examples to sort of pull from, but I mean, folks, I mean, if you want to be submarines in the military, whether you came from, you went to college and you were a nuclear engineer in college, or you just graduated high school and you scored high enough on the Navy test to to go into the submarine program, you have to attain the civilian equivalent of a nuclear engineering master's degree in six months. So it pretty much a, makes wow. like coding boot camps. <laughs> little, little easy, yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the for sure. That's one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on skill academies and code boot camps because vets, veterans, go into these programs and they absolutely crush them. They do great work. A lot of folks have this technical aptitude that you can't really get anywhere else, and so you put vets into that environment, and it, it is it's just like boot camp again. Yeah. And a lot of vets have this mindset when you're transitioning from the military that. I may have to reinvent myself a little bit. And so if you do that in an environment that's collaborative, where you're working on good projects with good people, and you're making relationships, it's some of the best time you can possibly spend after your service. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And you talked a little bit more about you know, how you got interested in tech in the first place as you, as you started this process. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, totally. So, I mean, being a bomb technician, it's, uh, it's an incredibly technical trait. It's a technical profession where, you know, on one day you are taking apart and putting back together nuclear weapons, and then on the next day you're dealing with something as primitive as a homemade explosive. And so your work just from day to day, you have such a breadth of technical expertise and you're relied upon by other services to bring that technical expertise to the mission. And so when I was thinking about what I was going to do next after the military, I knew that I had done this technical job. I was really enamored with a lot of the movement that was happening in San Francisco and New York about building companies and and making an impact at a global scale. But I didn't know how I fit into that. Even after having you know, a few years doing a very, very technical thing, I thought that you had to know how to code or maybe you had to be a computer science major in college to get into some of these companies like Uber, Facebook, or Google.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you talk a little bit more about like high pressure environments and like, you know, the dynamics of failing in a coding bootcamp versus failing in a live scenario. You know, how did those types of things affect you, you know, as you were trying to move out?
2: Yeah, for sure. The, I mean, when you are in the military and you are in some of these high pressure, no fail scenarios, you know, I, th- I think everybody just has a different threshold. And so, Certainly, I mean, it's really hard to apply one single axiom to the entire military. I mean, I, I think it's probably the most diverse workforce on the planet, you know, with people coming from every every city and state, every walk of life. But you definitely have, you know, a shared experience of dealing with adversity, dealing with people from all walks of life, getting on the same page, and completing a mission. And, and I think that's a dynamic that, that you can actually apply, an, an axiom that you can apply, rather than like, These guys all like show up on time and know how to take orders and stuff like that.
1: And given the fact that these roles are so technical, why do people leaving the
2: military have such a hard time trying to find a job? I think there's a few misconceptions on the parts of transitioning service members and maybe on the side of companies who are trying to hire them as well. For sure, you come into this, you come into into technology as a field and and you look at some of the products that are being created, and you think, almost by default, I have to be a programmer. I know I have to know how to write software if there's any place for me at all. And that's, that's just simply not true. There's A lot of these companies have to become a viable business. And so there's, there's places for everybody from supply chain professionals to operations professionals. And when you start to combine that with some of the technical aptitude that you received in the military, it really makes you good at your job once you just get in the door. Yeah.
0: And um, in the pre-chat, you mentioned once you were out of the military, out of the Navy, you were um, looking for jobs at these companies and you actually came up with a creative idea that eventually led into the company that you started. But what was that hack that you discovered in order to get on the radar of these companies?
2: So when I was transitioning out, I, I still had a few months left and I didn't even know what my life would look like in one of these companies. And so you you think if if you've been on a submarine for the last five years, or you have been at some remote army outpost, you don't know what your life even looks like inside of Google or Twitter. And so I had this desire to figure out, you know, is this a place where I fit in? Is this a place where my skills would be valued? And I ended up reaching out to a few companies to try and get a tour, and, and it didn't. the conversation didn't go so well. And so I had to think of it, try to figure out another way in and so i came back to san diego and i went to 20 friends and i said hey if i could get us an audience at google and some of these other silicon valley companies would you go with me to san francisco and i got 20 people to say yes and we called ourselves veteran technology trek in the early days and that's awesome that eventually turned to vet tech trek and we visited 10 companies in 2 days it was a transformative experience for me and i was eventually joined by by steve and by Brooke to scale this vet tech track experience to a bunch of different cities. And so we went to D C and New York and brought veterans, two hundred vets to, to sixty companies over the course of my last year in the military. And and it was a very it was a very cool thing because just having that context to know that, you know, you look people in the eyes and they're saying you fit in here, there's a place for you, it's a really powerful thing. And so it was a great project for a while.
0: Yeah. So tell us, uh, what was your impression? And, like, what uh, what were your first feelings when you find yourself, like, at Google or Twitter? Is it, like, the same way you, as, as you imagine, or were there any surprises? And what eventually, like, compelled you to pursue this full time?
2: Yeah. There's a whole lot more amenities <laughs> <laughs> than a submarine. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, no, Steve, my submarine buddy, always tells me the, you know, the, this really horrible story about how they ran out of coffee one time, and I'm just kind of like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds really tough." But <laughs> then he was still underwater for another two months after that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that sort of stuff doesn't happen at Google. But the yeah. uh, it no, it, it's it's um it's definitely different than anything I've experienced. I think that there is this focus out here, doing the job and being really excellent at what you do, and removing a whole lot of distractions. And I think that's one of the things that. Drew me to this. I think that there's definitely a lot of you know potential for folks to feel entitled to certain things. But if you look at it and you stay humble, you stay grateful, and you and you keep working really hard, it's you know there's a lot of things that can set you up on a path for success. Yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot of environments like this.
0: And What about tech in particular? Because in the pre chat, you mentioned that there's already existing pathways into finance, into uh, defense contracting, and consulting. Like there's already a lot of examples out there. But you chose tech. So, what were the reasons why? Like, what about this industry specifically that you decided to attack?
2: Yeah. So, if you're coming out of the military, it's no secret how to become someone who's a professional in financial services or in manufacturing or defense contracting, and that's what a whole lot of people want to do, and it and it works great for them, and they have a great post military career in some of those fields. But it's not totally clear yet how do how do you get, come out of the military and go into tech? And so for me, the draw to come back to this world was really the idea that you know you can have a very small team and create outsized impact if you have, the, have a good enough team and you're all on the same page, rowing in the same direction. It's probably, you know, there, there's some of the good parts from the military still here, like some of the, the camaraderie and, and shared mission. But the ability to create something from nothing with the promise to potentially Solve veteran transitions and figure out skill translation for folks who are leaving. You know, I I wake up every morning. I'm really thankful for to to be in the position that I am and to be working on this problem.
1: Yeah, well, we're grateful to have this conversation with you too. You know, and before going deeper into shift and what you're building there, on with the vets and tech track, did you did any of the people land jobs from just having their foot in the door?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, that that was one of the things where we never focused our Metrics on people getting hired because it was an immersion and it was people trying to see what their life would look like in a new industry. And so we weren't even always bringing folks who were actively looking for a job. They were just trying to figure out, you know, what was next. But just by getting inside of these, some of these companies, looking people in the eyes and establishing connections was incredibly powerful. And it's definitely a lesson that I'm taking forward working on shift now is that. You can't underestimate the power of the internal advocate in a company. That's something that applies for everybody that's trying to break into an industry that looks different than the one they're in right now. You need people who are on your team and who are on your side because at the end of the day, people spend a whole lot of time drafting job descriptions and job requirements, and they all sit around a table and say, All right, we're not going to deviate from these five bullet points. But when you come in the door and you got three of the five, but you're really good at those three, someone's got to take a risk and someone's got to be your advocate so you need to find that person inside
1: yeah. for for people that want to hire veterans you know what are some key like things that they can look at to you know recognize that that might be someone they want to consider twice for a certain type of role in tech
2: i think that getting some of the basic vocabulary and structure down is important like what sort of experiences does someone in the military have who Was in for four years for somebody who was in for 14. And then just having some of the vocabulary around like what different functional roles are in the military is definitely helpful. But, you know, we're at the point now where there are people from, you know, certain affinity groups where it's, we all sort of know qualitatively that something good is going on. Like, I really respect everybody who's doing Teach for America and everybody who's doing the Peace Corps, everybody who's in healthcare and a lot of folks who are in government too. And so we all sort of know that there's this, this something underneath the surface. And right now with, with the tools that we have available to us today, it's incumbent upon us to have a conversation with some of those folks who we all sort of sense that there's something good going on beneath the surface, but it's hard to quantify. And you know, when people don't look like our industry, I'm guilty of it too. And when people don't fit into a certain box, it's really easy to pass that resume to the side.
1: Is there some basic vocabulary that you can share with us? Yeah. What does a platoon commander do, do you think? Someone that's in charge of a bunch of people yeah, yeah, yeah. um in a certain type of uh unit focused on a certain type of field within a mission.
2: Yeah, for sure. And so just knowing that somebody who's a platoon commander is somebody who or a platoon sergeant is somebody who's been responsible for the well-being of other human beings is powerful. There's not a whole lot of other places in the world where I am responsible for my brothers and sisters and I'm the one who this is another one of those axioms that actually does apply to the whole military, you know, beyond like, oh, we take orders really great and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the thing that applies is, you know, whether you're someone who has been in the service for twenty years and you have command of four hundred people at the battalion level, or you're someone who just checked in to the unit six months ago, everybody has some sort of leadership experience where they're in charge of other human beings in the case of the of the person who checked in 6 months ago they're responsible for the person that checked in 6 weeks ago to make sure that they're on time and they are up to speed on their personal qualifications and they're hitting the milestones that they need to hit to advance in their career and that's a really unique thing to the military that we have this culture of personal development developing the people who showed up after us
0: yeah and earlier you mentioned that sometimes like your military experience Gets overlooked once you start submitting your applications online, and a lot of the times it's not even like the recruiter's fault, per se, because they might not be able to decipher like your experience versus someone who is applying who is not in the military. They're seeing hundreds and hundreds of resumes a day. So, can you tell our listeners what um, Shift is doing in order to change those mindset, and what what does uh, Shift actually do?
2: So when I when I first got into working on getting more veterans hired in tech companies specifically and now to a broader group of companies just because technology is starting to touch every industry you know you step back and you're like well why can't these why can't recruiters look at every resume or why can't the hiring manager know about my specific accomplishments and achievements and it's just so like as i learned more it's just so unrealistic you know everybody has so much going on and so i think it's actually incumbent upon veterans to Learn how to break in, and it's really not that hard to get somebody's attention. Whether you're going to a meetup where people are all like-minded and they're actually there to help, or you're just starting the very first stages of building your network and going out to coffee with people and just doing a lot of the things that you can do to start to get face-to-face exposure with people. It's you know we're right where we're at right now is personal relationships mean a whole lot, and in the future, shift is going to empower a whole lot of employers to advertise roles within their company because they're willing to be an internal advocate. I don't think that there's not a lot going on right now where people can raise their hand and say, I'm willing to advocate for veterans in my company, or I'm willing to advocate for the Peace Corps. Um, And it's so when people are coming from underrepresented or diverse backgrounds, you need someone to be your advocate. And that's, I mean, that's how a lot of hiring takes place. But what we're specifically doing with Shift right now that hasn't been done before, is solving skill translation for military vets. And so when you leave the military, there's a one-week off-ramp, and the military looks at your job title, and for me, it was technician, and they look at other civilian job titles that look the same. And for me, it was like, you can go be a nuclear power plant worker or be a chemical plant floor worker, because those are the sorts of stuff that I played with in the military. But it doesn't take into account all the nuclear components that go into making a platoon commander or to make an Air Force cyber operations officer or to make a bomb technician. And so what's so amazing about the military data set is that you know we have source documentation that tells us everything that it takes to become a qualified X in the military. And so when we start to go really deep and we look at that 200-line checklist of All the things that need to happen before you can be a qualified bomb technician, we can look at a lot of that language and start to compare it to actual job descriptions. So the underlying bullet points to some of these job descriptions. And as we get better and better at recognizing which terms are more relevant than others, we can assign relevancy scores to open jobs that exist in the world right now and at least give vets a little bit more insight into the types of roles they qualify for and give recruiters and hiring professionals a little bit more insight into the types of backgrounds that they should be looking at from the military.
1: That's huge. And, you know, when you were talking about the skills translation, for people that are working on getting the skills, we asked you, you know, what can someone do that's leaving the military to get ready for these types of things? And I know you kind of talked about a few things, a couple of things. Can you go in on that?
2: Yeah, you have to be part of the community that you want to break into. And so there's all sorts of these community movements that are going down right now. So if you want to be out here in San Francisco and working at startups or working at bigger technology companies or doing the same thing in Austin or Seattle or New York, it's really hard to apply from afar and sort of get that person excited about you who's going to have to be your advocate internally. And so, you know, whether it's you go to find something on Meetup or you look at when breaking into startups is going to do the the local meetup in San Francisco or LA, I hear is coming soon. You got to get out there and participate and meet people. I tell vets to take 50 coffee meetings in the area where they want to end up. And at the end of each coffee meeting, ask the person who you're meeting with to just introduce you to one more person who might be interesting to talk to in the industry. And as you can imagine, if you actually do that, that starts to snowball after a while. And if you actually do that, I don't think you'll ever apply for a job online again. 100%. Yeah.
1: Especially if you have a really good coffee meeting and you turn them into that internal advocate that you talked about before. And then that might lead you to like those coding boot camps and things like Vet Force that you talked about as well.
0: Yeah. And um, I don't know if uh, you or our listeners have looked at the recent Stack Overflow survey, but they basically surveyed like over 60,000 engineers and they asked them, how did they get the job that they have now? And two thirds of them said that it was through a personal referral. So it's ironic because a lot of people think that going to the website and applying online, it is the, in some cases, it's the easiest thing to do because you're also not facing like rejection straight to your face. Yeah. But a lot of the times, building that connection will be way more efficient and you'll get way more connections and way more on sites if you have an advocate on the inside who's going to vouch for you. Yeah.
1: And we've talked a lot about coding boot camps on the podcast, and I know you have some opinions on that, but can you talk about VetForce? Because we haven't talked about that that much.
2: I'm a huge fan of VetForce. It's a platform that Salesforce offers for basically any veteran or their spouse to learn how to be a Salesforce admin, Salesforce developer for free. And even if you aren't a veteran or a spouse, it's a really good deal because you look at the number of open jobs for Salesforce admin. Salesforce developer. And the only key criteria is having this qualification. So, th- I mean, that in and of itself is kind of a hack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just to, and, I, and I can attest
0: to that because, like, I know, uh, like, at the company I work at now, like, there's a huge need for Salesforce admins. The folks I've spoken to who are Salesforce admins, they all come from very non traditional backgrounds. A lot of them are self taught there's no major in college that you take to be a Salesforce admin. So use that to your advantage because since you're not competing against people with credentials that have like college credentials, these are all people that build that skill over time by teaching themselves or by doing an apprenticeship. So that's actually in your favor if you're coming from a non-traditional background.
1: Yeah. And it's it's very, very common. I mean, even at Honor, I had to like teach myself to figure out how to use Salesforce as well. So yeah. So you talked about another thing where you said you know, you recommend people to go to coding boot camps. Can you talk about why?
2: Yeah. Either code boot camps or some of these other really fast skill immersive things like Tradecraft is a really great example here in San Francisco. Or Always Hired. Always Hired. Yep. I think you have this hesitation, maybe in other affinity groups, but, but that's the one that I know the best is when you're switching careers to take three months off to go to one of these skill academies seems like a really risky proposition. Like, Am I really going to take three months off to, to go in this when I could just get hired? And I think it's almost never a mistake when you are trying to transition from one industry to another, and those two industries don't look anything like each other at all. To find some sort of connective tissue between those industries is incredibly important. When you go to something like Dev Bootcamp or Hack Reactor, you are shoulder to shoulder with 30, 40... 50 other people who are right there with you. They have really similar life stories. I was X, and now I'm trying to be Y, and I'm doing this to get there. But these networks are so incredibly powerful and important because now you have 50 people who are your advocate, who are always thinking about you when a new opportunity pops up. And they're the types of people who you could potentially do projects and build companies with for the rest of your life. And so I couldn't be a bigger advocate for some of these skill academies and skill immersions when you're not totally 100% all in the next path for you, which is a pretty common thing for vets because you just don't know the full opportunity set that exists after the military. So why not take a few months to build a network of really like-minded people and acquire a skill that's gonna help you for the rest yeah. of your career. And it's more than just the fifty people you're in the class
0: with, it's also the alumni network and these boot camps are graduating hundreds, if not thousands of people every year. So if you think about it, like take a five ten year view, the shift towards immersive education is growing like crazy. So potentially like in five, ten years, these people are gonna be the chief technology officers, chief sales officers, CEOs. So you're also putting yourself in a very like a great position of power with a lot of momentum, and we're definitely big proponents of boot camps. The only like words of caution is make sure you do your research and verify the alumni, look at the graduation stats because with the success that the coding boot camps have had, there's a lot of schools out there that are trying to kind of reinvent like I don't know attack the problem from different angles. and so you also want to be careful and make sure that what they promise you to accomplish in those three months, they could actually deliver on. And something that Breaking the Startups is working on is putting together a list of kind of verified resources that we trust that kind of you could, it's a great starting point. Again, don't take our word for it. You still have to do your research, but overall, it's a great, great tool for immersing yourself in this new industry. Yeah. yeah. And I think in our pre chat, you also mentioned how boot camps, they're a fairly recent phenomenon. And um, at the same time, a lot of people are familiar with private institutions. Like Trump University is probably not the best example, but there's a lot of universities that don't have a reputation that bad, but they're still out there and they take your money and they, and they don't really deliver on what they promise. So, can you kind of explain from your perspective some of those differences between a bootcamp and a private online institution? And, you, and kind of like you
1: layered it in the context of a GI bill,
2: for sure. Yeah, for you know one of the best benefits that our country provides to its veterans is the GI Bill benefit which allows you to go back to college at the state school rate helps you out a little bit if you're going to go get an MBA or if you're going to go do another professional degree and you can even do things like go to a trade school and learn how to be a mechanic or <laughs> i've seen a few vets like take private flying license or <laughs> flying lessons and become a pilot so there's all these educational options but the one thing that is a little staggering right now is you can do all those things, but you can't use your G.I. bill to go to a code boot camp. But that is changing slowly. And now you have to take a look and understand why we got into this position in the first place. We did have a lot of, in the early 2000s, for-profit educational institutions that just weren't living up to the promise. And vets weren't getting the results and outcomes that were advertised, and Congress yanked back the funding, I think, wisely. But now there's a little bit of a process, and a lot of these boot camps have to make a business case to accept the GI Bill. I think that that message is getting out there that veterans go into these programs and absolutely crush them, that it's, it, they make, that just expands the culture in terms of diversity of background and diversity of thought exponentially. And so there's definitely a process to get certified. I think we're moving in that direction. Of course, I'm impatient and want it to, want it to happen right away because. I do think it's an incredible opportunity. But like you said, you got to verify graduation rates, you got to check out especially the alumni network, even go to like an event or two, and you can just tell if it's a quality institution. Totally. And
0: there've been a number of guests on our podcast who've... like The example I'm thinking was Edgar Pabone, who went from being in the army to now working as a software engineer at Amazon after completing Hack Reactor. And there's also John Dang, who is now he finished his service a few months ago, now he's an engineer at Snapchat. Pretty crazy, so, right? <laughs> yeah. The fact that nowadays you don't need to go for like a two year, three year graduate computer science degree and you could jump within these professions right away is and what's interesting
1: about John Dang is the whole internal advocate thing because another guest that we had this coming us as, as Pomp introduced him to Arthur and yep. to, and said, Hey, this guy's great and then Arthur helped him get into Hack Reactor and yeah. The rest is history. Yeah.
0: And it's all about, I love your point about uh, setting up informational interviews or coffee meetings because that's the best way to create those advocates and you're getting instant feedback on your plans as well because when you're sitting at home applying for jobs, you could potentially spend a week applying to 50 different jobs and something on your resume just isn't right or maybe you're not telling your story correctly and there's no one in the like on the other side giving you that direct feedback so you might waste a month
1: And I think the nuance that he brought up too is after you have that internal advocate, if you ask them if there's any other people that they think that they should talk to, you could easily take that 50 people. And if they refer you to three to five people, every time you got 250 right there, you know, and and it just snowballs from there. Can you talk a little bit about the traction that Shift has gotten so far?
2: Definitely. It's exciting. We're working with 50 companies right now to hire veterans, weren't necessarily looking at veterans as a source of unique or exceptional talent before shift. There are you know, tried and true recruiting models that take place after the military, and they work great for a number of people. But the business model, unfortunately, doesn't work to take placement fees when you start talking about Uber or Facebook or Google. And that's okay, because a lot of people get really great outcomes from some of this stuff. But with Shift, it's changing the way that people look at military talent, doing skill translation to suggest what would be interesting roles or great roles for veterans inside of an organization. And it's a very serious attempt at skill translation, which even if you're not from the military or you're not a veteran, you know, there's a whole lot of other affinity groups that require skill translation as well. And so it's you know, the military being one of those industries that's probably more different than most. It's a place where the problem is critically important to solve to really open up the floodgates of of veterans coming into some of these industries where they didn't have a presence before. And I think that we're just at the beginning of turning the tide.
1: Awesome. And so what are your plans for 2017 and the, the next few years?
2: I would love by the end of 2017 to have the ability for any veteran in any company to have the ability to internally refer other veterans and have the ability to look out there and say, who are veterans out there who are interested in my company? And I'm going to raise my hand and be a resource to them. Because there's a lot of what I've discovered is there's so many people in many of these companies who are veterans that they just they don't know what, what steps to take to to help move the ball down the field. And the cool thing is it's not just vets who are raising their hand. There's a lot of folks who, I guess, just implicitly realize that this is something that's important. Vets are at a bit of a disadvantage when you look at trying to get your resume through the scanner and and into that that first interview. And so I'd love to get to the point where anybody who wants to advocate for veterans inside of their organization has the ability to do so and refer people internally.
1: For the listeners that are veterans and ready to go um, into these types of jobs, do you have of course, we want them to reach out to you at Shift, but can you also maybe name some of the companies that you know are receptive and want to hire veterans that have been public about this?
2: For sure. So if you go on vets.gov, there are 1,500 plus companies who have made a public commitment to hire veterans. Amazon comes to mind with their recent tech apprenticeship program announcement. JP Morgan's made a huge hiring commitment. Salesforce with their VetForce initiative is super active in the space and so any industry you can find companies who have made some sort of a public commitment to find veterans and if you if you go on LinkedIn and you search that company as as the search term and then you look for people who their prior company is equal to army navy air force marines now all of a sudden you've got a list of people who are inside of a company who is publicly committed to hire veterans who can help you out and so there's there's all it's not that much of a next level hack at all but even if you're in you're you've narrowed it down to a geographic region and i think that i might want to go into sales let's say just look for all of the veterans in pittsburgh let's say who have sales in their title you should go take those those at least 100 people to coffee you'll know pretty soon if you want to do sales or not a whole lot faster if you were sitting at home googling what is sales and figuring out what does it feel like to be in sales. Go talk to some salespeople. Yeah.
1: And just for the people that that want to have a sense of the amount of veterans that exist out there, do you have any sense of like the numbers?
2: Yeah. There are projected to be a million new veterans in the next five years. And so you scale that back, it's there's twenty thousand service members leaving the military every month. And we're just in a position right now where, you know, there's so much of this new talent coming on the market that doesn't know the full opportunity set. That's why I'm working on this. That's why this is this is the mission for me.
0: Yeah. And we always tell um, our listeners that it's all about how you tell your story. And it's all about how you can uh, relate your unique experience from before to how it applies to the new job. So I think veterans had a great position because they already have a lot of leadership roles. They have the technical skills like you described. And they're not just someone who is uh, out of college or out of high school. They were literally operating in very high pressure environments, and any company would be lucky to have them. They just need to formulate their story to translate those skills. And I'm glad that Shift is helping them do that. Yeah. Um, and you've mentioned that kind of the power of your network and knowing people, whether you want to break into tech or start your own company, is invaluable, right? And, and Shift has had has had an amazing success, and definitely like. You're doing amazing things as an entrepreneur. And what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who are finishing the service and are considering starting their own venture? What are some of the
2: things that sh- they should
0: take into account?
2: I think they should definitely not go it alone. You're coming out of the military, and it is a totally different landscape. You really can't learn about the right way to build and hire and operate a company from reading blog posts. And so. I always recommend to vets, they try to get into a network, be a part of something that's bigger than just your company, where maybe it's a group of entrepreneurs who all share the same investors. This is something like Y Combinator, Techstars, and what I'm the network I'm fortunate enough to be a part of, Expa. And Expo is the best thing that happened to me after the military because I didn't have a network in tech. I didn't know the first thing to do when trying to raise money. Or hire the right people. And when you get into either it's a shared space or a shared program or a shared network, and you have people who are just functional experts in what they do, it just allows you to operate and move so much faster. And so it's just such a, such more a challenge if you try to go it alone. And so it's, I always recommend either A, you know, be a part of a network or B, go to a code bootcamp or a skill academy where you can build a network or C, go to a big tech company that's already got it figured out, and you're going to find like-minded individuals very quickly inside who share your vision of the world, who want to work just as hard as you want to work and want to go build. A lot of these big companies you know, have such a high bar to get in that you're going to be surrounded by exceptional people if you go do that first, even if you know you're going to be an entrepreneur someday.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. And um, to continue talking about advice, we're going to jump into the lightning round. And this is where we'll ask you several questions, but we're going to be looking for strategies, tactics, and your resources that you recommend for our listeners. So Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So this question takes us back to the basics. So imagine you are you might be just like finishing up the military, you move to a new city, you have limited resources. So let's say you only have $100 and you're, you're starting out, uh, you want to build yourself back up, you don't know anyone, what would you do and... How would you spend that
2: $100? Well, I hope you have a friend's couch to crash on, first of all. So that, that, that would be... <laughs> so, yeah, st- so let's assume you have food and shelter covered. Okay, food and shelter is covered. I would most definitely take a look at different meetups that are happening in the area. I mean, for instance, to go back to the veteran angle, there's a very, very cool nonprofit called Operation Code. And it's this... We're actually you- speaking
0: with uh, David from Operation Code next after mm-hmm. this interview. Oh, so, wow. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's, that's awesome the yeah so he'll he'll tell you all about that but the you know a slack channel of you know 1500 like-minded people who are all learning to code at the same time with chapters all over America yeah i would look at different online communities typically is either going to be a slack channel or a facebook group people who are just trying to get to where you want to go and so i'm a big proponent of getting in there and meeting people face to face it's almost always a better use of your time than Guessing what companies want when you're writing a cover letter after cover letter and applying to endless jobs in this abyss online. Got it, got
1: it. So, if you were to summarize the notes that you may or may not have written while you were in the Navy into a one sentence lesson for your brothers and sisters that were in service or are out of service now, what would it say?
2: I would say always optimize for the mission you want to work on. With the people you want to work on it with, I mean, sitting around the table with you guys, you guys are on a mission for sure. I, exactly. I, I see the drive. You know, you've you've done this, you know, fifty times so far, but you know, you you still get into it, and it's you can tell there's that that bond there. And so, if you're not working on something that's really near and dear to you, if you're if you're not getting excited about the product that your company makes, it's really it's it's just harder to get up and go to work every day. And not, you know, I understand not everybody has the luxury to absolutely love what they do, but to just do things like this is a side project for you guys, Mm -hmm. maybe not for too much longer. We'll see. (laughs) The, you know, working on a product that you love, even if you have to go in and take a pay cut, you're just going to be, it's going to feel like you're running downhill. And I think that's, you know, the, the one piece of advice when I would say for folks who are transitioning out is you join the military because you want it to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You should prioritize and optimize for the same things outside of the military that made you sign up in the first place. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And um, I know you mentioned that you're part of Expa and um, now you have a team and you guys are building this great product. But can you take us back to when you were first getting out of Navy? What is one biggest struggle that you had to overcome getting out of Navy and then thinking about your next steps?
2: Well, I did my fair share of writing endless cover letters and applying online. And so, yeah, I guess it was it was that that feeling of like, why am I not getting traction in these roles? Like, I've got, you know, I did my resume just how Google told me to do it. And I was very, you know, verbose on this cover letter and I attacked all the things that they were looking for. But for me, it was the realization that getting a job, especially when you are trying to go into an industry where you don't look like everybody else, you have to make personal connections and it is about people. And I didn't realize that at first and I try to tell that to everybody I meet now.
1: Yeah. And speaking of teams on the elevator coming up, you talked a little bit about them. Can you know, given that this is about you no know, not just founders, but also the teams that are building them and you've talked so much about teams, can you give a shout out to your team, Miss Lean, and give a little description to who they are?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Silas is a brilliant machine learning engineer. He is the one he, he is he's the the madman behind uh, a lot of the madness that we have going on on the tech side right now. He is the one that translates ideas into words and words into ideas and I'm really thrilled to be working with him. Joe Slack is our CTO and he is a guy who has done everything from building APIs that big public companies still use to this day to building consumer products that that tons of people love to use so you just it's just really interesting to to find someone who's who's been on you know cutting edge stuff at the you know at the very very high end and at low end of companies and then Michelle she was a front end engineer for 4 years and she decided she wanted to get into product design so she went to tradecraft and now she's our our lead designer and it is um, yeah I just feel really fortunate to have the team that I have and to be working on this together you know everybody on the team has a non-traditional path a non-traditional background and i think that it, that that's sort of in our dna you know michelle and silas both go into boot camps and joe with not a formal computer science degree now was one has been one of the lead engineers at expa for more than a year and recently jumped in with shift and so it's cool to be we didn't we didn't plan it that way but you know, people with similar backgrounds and similar stories are always drawn to work with each other. That's why I think it's so important to find folks who, who are are wired the same way as you are. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful.
1: And, and no, I mean, th- thanks again for taking the time with us. You're, you're an impressive guy. You're a family man. You're spending time with us all the way till 9 p.m. And we look forward to seeing uh, what you do in the future. Can you tell the people how to stay in touch with you?
2: You are welcome to email me. I'm mike at org. Or you can you follow me on Twitter at mslaw s l a g h. Perfect.
0: All awesome, right, man. Talk
2: to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Thanks guys. Mike. Appreciate Thanks it. For taking your time.
0: Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening, and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't want you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.